Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. You know, important also note, this, this church was experiencing persecution. We'll see more on that soon. But this is why they're trying to go back to, again, the good old days. Trying to go back to the good old days. Trying to find a way back to the way it used to be. Like, oh, man, if I could just get back, if I could just get back. But you just go back to the way it was. And so this author is saying there is nothing to go back to. That's not, you're, you're going back to nostalgia, not the real thing. Verse 11, of whom, now we're speaking of Melchizedek, the whole thing, order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. This is the conversation between, about Melchizedek and Aaron as the priests. Because under the law, who was the high priest? Aaron. But Jesus is the great high priest, not under Aaron, not under Levi, but under a different order, under the order of Melchizedek. And if you remember, who's Melchizedek? He's, he's mysterious, right? And he shows up as uh, the king of Salem, uh, and he meets Abraham and, and brings the bread in the cup, basically. And Abraham gives him a tenth. Like, there's this whole thing around Melchizedek that's like, what, what a trip. I love the mysterious things, you know? That's just like, good authors do this, and God is like the best author, you know? It's like a little e- Easter egg, you know? How many of you guys watch the end of movies for like the Easter egg for the next one? Like, oh, you know? Or something that's like kind of tied in there. You're like, oh, look, check that out. Whoa, okay, you know? The Old Testament is completely full of them. We call them messianic prophecies where there's like signs and symbols of the things to come. Psalm 110, speaking of Melchizedek, said the Lord has sworn and will not relent. Isn't that good to know? He's sworn and will not relent. His promise endures, right? You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This is a different kind of priesthood. This isn't a law, which some see the law as concession. It's definitely a clarification on what the children of Israel were supposed to look like, the position they could be blessable in. So, but Melchizedek's of something completely different. And Jesus is a a priest unto his own. It's like a, a completely different order, what he's bringing to the table. So he's saying, I want to share more with this, and he will. Chapter 7 is a lot about Melchizedek, so we'll get more into that. But he's, I, I want to share this with you, but it's hard to explain because of where you have landed spiritually. It's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing, is what it says in the New King James Version. Become dull, uh, it, it alludes to it wasn't always like this right? If you have like a knife, like a pocket knife or something, and you use it on the wrong stuff too long, what happens? You use it to try and saw a tree down, you know, or something. What happens? It goes dull, right? It starts sharp. It becomes dull. You become dull to this. That means you didn't start off as being dull. You have become dull. And so this, this is a thing where it's not like you've, you were never there. You were excited about the things of God. You cared about the things of God, and then you've become dull. I, I actually like the CSB version of this. He says, we have a great, it says, we have a great deal to say about this, and it is difficult to explain since you've become too lazy to understand. Kind of pulls all the punches on that one, huh? 
Like you, you don't, you can't understand this. Like the depth of this isn't something that you could understand. Why? Because you become lazy in your faith. Well, we know exactly what it's like to become lazy in all kinds of different things, right? Like, oh, yeah, I used to work out, or oh, I used to do this, or oh, I used to read, or, oh, I used to do this. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of, it's not like you decided, I'm going to just start being lazy, right? How does it usually happen? Yes, you miss one day. <laughs> and then one day turns into two days, and then three, and then a week, and then a month, and then a year, and you recognize the thing that you had been a staple in your life that was a, a big time positive has now, it's, it's gone. And you can't even really tell how much damage it's done to you until all of a sudden you get like a glimpse in the mirror or something and you're like, whoa. It's like the, the, the frog that's being boiled in the pot slowly. You have no idea what's happening. It's like, oh, I'm just kind of chilling. Oh, this is nice, you know? Oh, warm, I have not done warm water. I realize I have not done warm water. What am I thinking? And all of a sudden it's like, you're smoked. That's it, you know? And so this is like, in a sense, becoming lazy to not be able to understand what we're gonna see is meat. And the author of Hebrews is saying, you're, you can't take meat, you're babies. This isn't, not looking, I'm literally not looking at a person right now. So nobody's like, you're talking to me, what, you know? But it's an important thing that was going on in this church that was doing good things, watching God move in their midst, and they had gotten lazy, and now all of a sudden they're looking to other things to fulfill what only God can. Boy, do we understand this or what? The second you start missing on the real thing, the real intimacy with Jesus, you're gonna look to find it in something else. And what happens? That something else becomes a God. And you find out that that God is a lesser God. It is an idol. It's false. It's, it, it promises things that it cannot keep. So that's, that's the situation. You've become lazy. And so you can't get this. You're too lazy to understand. Um, and I think this is a beautiful way of approaching our lives. It's actually, this is how revivals start. Where people can come before the Lord and they say, oh my goodness, I am undone. Is there mercy for me? Is there mercy for me? Can, can I find mercy? It, because God does not like our haughty, prideful, arrogant attitudes where we look so good on the outside and we're just jacked up inside. And what happens when you have a culture that is only that, everything's good, you know, and then you walk in, get into your car, shut up. We're, we're done with church for the week, you know. I, I got to take this collar off and with it my life, you know, like my appearance of whatever. It's so easy to, to not do, that's an extreme case. But it's so easy to have those places in our life. We all understand that. Well, but what's the, what's the recipe to dealing with that is recognizing it as it is. This is cancer in my life. This is problematic and coming back to the Lord and saying, God, I am off. I need help. But what did we, what did we learn in Hebrews chapter four a couple weeks ago? We don't have a verse 15. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. 
Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of, remember we had everybody say this, of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Is that good news? So when we realize this, and we, instead of trying to cover it up, that's usually the case, you know? It's like, I just think physical, right? When you think of lazy, you think of physical. Like, oh, you haven't worked out. My shoulder's kind of jacked, you know? Ah, oh, man, I got, a, I got this hangnail on my toe, you know? You know, I was running, but I, I just don't want to get too thin, you know? I want to keep, make sure I keep my mass, you know? All these different excuses. It's like, forget your excuses. We're, we're standing before God naked and undone. And what do we do when we realize that? We say, is there mercy for me? And he says, oh, there's mercy, there's grace, there's forgiveness. Confess your sins. He's, you, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We fall down on our face before the Lord. And this is where he meets us. So if we find ourselves in this position, we don't get offended, which is kind of like a problem with the culture right now. Don't tell me something that's wrong about me because I don't want to deal with that. And if you tell me that, then I'm going to cancel you out of my life. I'm telling you this to help you. And by the way, I'm in the same boat. I get it. I fail, I fail all the time. I need grace. I need mercy. I need it so bad. But, but if we start to deny the fact that God is saying stuff to us in a very real, impactful way, we're going to miss out on the fact that he's trying to rescue us from hurting ourselves from damaging our relationship with him, from, from putting our allegiance on things that cannot hold it, right? So we recognize it. We say, Lord, you're the great, merciful high priest. And you tell me, you don't, he who says he has no sins, a liar. But we draw, and we, when we recognize we have it, we ask for forgiveness. And we say, God, I'm off. Renew this joy, restore to me the joy of my salvation. That's what I need. And so how do we get from being dull or hearing or too, of hearing or too lazy to understand? Verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. I think it comes down to a lack of care and effort in our spiritual lives. We, we just, like, I don't know. There's something weird about, like, our spiritual lives. Like, well, God will just do it. Yes, God will do it, but we show up. We show up and we allow. How does God speak to you most often? Through the word. You're not in the word. What are you going to get? I mean, like, it's like, we need to hear from him. And we already know what he said. He's already spoken, in a sense. Can God speak through other ways? He can. He's spoken through all kinds of different ways, through people, through who even knows. Sometimes it's like really unlikely sources. And you're like, whoa, that was, felt like that was from the Lord. But it's all verified by Scripture. And it's all like in, within the, you know, the, the spirit of Scripture, what God is saying to us. So it's like, in a sense, a lack of effort. Babies are cute. But like, when adults act like babies, it's not cute. Like, really not even just adults, but like, you know, you, the kids who are like, you know, oh, yeah, they're like, oh, they're little. Oh, that's cute the way they're saying that or doing that. And all of a sudden, they're like, 
10, and then they're like 15, and you're like, let's not call it Wawa anymore, you know? Like, you can call it water, all right? And what are you doing, you know? Like, what in the world is going on here? You get stuck in this place of being a baby too long. It's cute at first, and then all of a sudden it becomes a major, major problem. It makes sense early on, but it doesn't make sense as you continue to grow. Luckily in us, there's a desire to grow. I've noticed this, little kids want to grow up. It's the saddest thing when you're a parent, like especially when it's your youngest one, don't grow up. And Hazel, we actually kind of have a deal. She's like, I'm not gonna grow up too fast, okay, dad? She's like, she's telling us like, I, I, no, I'm still the little one, I'm still the little one, you know? It's like the, her biggest fear, fear is if there was another little one, probably. Uh, <laughs> I'm the little one, right? You know. But there's like uh, an element of like where we are just, we're charging it. And, and I, for some whatever reason, we try to teach kids to walk really young. And then we have to deal with the consequences of that, right? You're like, let's get them walking early so we can tell our friends that they're an early walker. And then you're like, cool, nice brag. Now you got to deal with like an even younger child that can get anywhere they want to, you know, smart, smart, right? You know, you, you do that with your first kid and then your third, you kind of trip a boom. <laughs> You're not ready. Ah, <laughs> uh, they're not ready. <laughs> Dad. Yeah, right. But it's, it's, it's designed. Milk is amazing for a baby. Like it's incredible, like how God set it up. Right, but as it's it's for the early stages of life, it stops having the same effectiveness as you get older. You need something more. You need to move on from that point. We're wired to grow. We're wired to progress. I think that's part of like the 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 rule and reign that God gave to Adam to rule and subdue. We are called to do things in this life. It's good to make think something of your life, letting God do that. I think we're supposed to make impacts in the world we live in. We're supposed to make a difference where we go. We're supposed to be lights. We're supposed to be bring order where there's chaos. That's We're ambassadors. We've said it every week probably, but it's good to remember. So we, we, we grow, we, we progress, we keep going. It's like I was mentioning our like little youth band. We practiced for four weeks. And this last Friday night, we led worship with a full youth band. All I did was play guitar. They were singing. They were playing drums. They were playing bass in four weeks. Really cool. It just tells you how young kids are just like awesome at learning things, you know? And they just jumped right in and they were progressing and they were going and moving forward and they practice at home. They have the calluses to prove it. So they're getting better and they're working at it. And what's the goal? To get better and better. And now they're hooked because they're in the game. So what's he telling them? He says, you guys should be teachers at this point. And all, you keep need, needing to hear the very basic, basic things. You're not progressing at all. You're not growing. And so no wonder you're like trying to find another way because you're not experiencing what you're actually supposed to experience. You have milk and then all of a sudden you have a ribeye steak. You gotta be prepared for that ribeye steak. You have to eat your little sweet potatoes, you know, and whatever, some of the Gerber, some of them strawberry, who knows, that's crazy mixes of those things, you know. 
But slowly but surely, you grow and you go further and further. And you, you have your first bite of chicken, and oh, wow. And you have some avocado, and it's just so spicy, you know. I don't know. They have like craziest faces. Just kidding. It's a joke. But they slowly progress, and then now it's like, man, give me the steak. For those of you who don't eat it, you know. But it's like, man, let me have a bite of this. Oh, so good. Because we were made for that. We were made for more. And so you guys should be teaching. And you go, well, isn't, doesn't James tell us, like, be careful to want to be a teacher? I, I, yeah, to be, I think to be in the role of teaching all the time, it's something that keeps me up at night. <laughs> the fact that there's a warning to that. Because, uh, yeah, you, you can't try and be a narcissist and make it about you. You can't try and make it, you've got to say what it says, not what you want it to say. By the way, that's inconvenient. <laughs> you know how many times I look at the text for the next week and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> okay. And you're like, this should be interesting. And you're like, all right, if it's a small Sunday, all right, Lord. And then it's like packed. You're like, right, you know? And all of a sudden God uses it. Because guess what? It's him that does it, not us. He's the one. That, so that's the best we can do with that. But we're all called to be teachers at some point. What's a teacher do? They're able to share what they've learned to someone who knows less, in a sense. You know, probably everyone in this room knows more about following God than 99% of the population in one form or another, or at least 90%, right? So you have something to give. And if we don't think we're participating in the call of God where we go, oh, cool, I became a Christian. Let's support pastor. The pastor's job, the, the, the leader's job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that everyone in here goes out and does it. So your teachers, everywhere you go, wherever there's an opportunity to speak truth, to speak life, to, to bring hope, you get to do that. We all get to do that. Right? Whether it's in the children's ministry, if you could teach children, you could do anything. Or youth, man, we could use some help <laughs> in some of this way, you know? But able to be able to come and speak and to teach and to give. You should be teachers at this point. You should be mature enough to be doing these things. It's, it's, it's effort. There's an ability to, to charge it. And Paul really nails it in 1 Corinthians 15. The, that's the chapter, we're going to talk about it uh, at Easter, the resurrection. And he's, tell, he's talking about like how, man, if Christ isn't raised, we are of all men most pitied, right? And, and uh, he was seen by, by Peter, and he was seen by the apostles, and, and then last, he was seen by me. Over 500 eyewitnesses, and then he was seen by me, one born out of due time. And then he says, verse 9, For I'm the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Understanding of your need for grace and mercy. People who understand their need for grace and mercy and that are honest about it are the most awesome people to be around. We were just talking about that, right? They're the best, right, Brad? We were just talking about that. They're the best people to be around. There's, there's fun to be around because they're just like, here it is, and look what God can do. So that's Paul. He understands exactly who he was. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. So I understand my position, but by the grace of God, God takes messes and turns them into beautiful things. God takes dead things and brings them back to life. 
God brings hopeless situations and births hope out of an unexpected place. So I am what I am because of that, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Here's the part, part we're really looking at. His grace toward me was not in vain. It was not cheap. I lay, But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. It is the grace of God that allows us to labor and move forward. It is all by his grace, the ability to understand. We're going to see part of this is spiritual discernment. This is building the inner man. This is not just like, oh, I'm going to just do it the best I can. It is abiding in Christ, but abiding in Christ is an action. It's an actual thing we do. So it's, it, 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 we're motivated by this. We should all be able to teach. It's, and it helps us put our money where our mouth is. There's no learning like teaching. Seriously. Have, have you ever taught a subject? Anything. You've got to know it. It's wild to teach something. Like, you you know, it's kind of flippant. Like, oh, okay, we're kind of do that. You're like, man, I, I prepare. We did this with the heaven, right? <laughs> where we're like going into the section. There's all these like different, different like Verses. Let's make sure we know exactly what those verses mean in case there's a question about it. <laughs> we got to know exactly what we're thinking all the way through this whole thing. Let's deep dive all the way around the subject so that we're ready to teach it well. And there's something about teaching that just makes you grow so fast. It helps us be motivated to be better as we teach. You know, because it's like, I don't want to say it to you and not do it myself. When I first started helping out with the youth ministry, uh, I was like a new Christian, which is like pretty bad idea. But I, <laughs> I liked being around. I mean, it was like they, I had a thing. The kids liked being around me and all this and that. And I had like a good relationship with them. I'd never prayed with anyone in my life. They asked me to pray for them. I'm like, okay, how do you pray? You know, it was before Google searches too, you know. How do you pray with a student, you know. It's like you figure it out. And they started asking me questions. And it's like, can I get back to you next week? And so I would spend the whole week trying to figure out all the answers to their questions and you'd answer them and they'd be like, oh, I forgot I even asked that. You know? But it was good. And then, then it's like, hey, do you want the opportunity to teach? And you're like, teach? There was, there, it was like, oh man, now I've got to really know this. And all of a sudden you've, you've read books of the Bible, but now you know them because you're able to teach them. This is, this is important. We should have this kind of desire. And every one of us should be able to teach to a, a level that people can understand. That's the other thing about teaching. If you're not a good teacher, people don't understand what you're talking about. So we have to be able to understand it enough to be able to relay it, in a sense, to somebody else. Um, I remember a friend of mine when we were in Orange County, where we weren't living there anymore, but he says, hey, I'm reading the Bible with my kids, and I'm stumped on some of this stuff. Can you help me out? And I said, okay, sure. And I, I, he, I was helping him out, and I said, hey, let me give you a resource. And it was, it was a um, uh, commentary, online commentary that's really good. And I said, hey, check this out. Like, this, this is a really good commentary. This guy knows what he's talking about. He's really good at dissecting the scriptures. He's theologically sound. Uh, and he's like, this is amazing. He texts me a couple weeks later, I'm loving this. Like, I'm studying this as I'm teaching my kids, and they're asking questions. He's teaching his own family now. He's not outsourcing it to, man, I hope this church doesn't 
can teach my kids to follow Jesus in this culture because it's going to be tough for them. We, we get them for like an hour and a half. It's not a lot. So what happens? The parents have to know how to teach this. And you need, have to know how to meet one another where you're at, where they're at, by giving the truth. This, we got to understand this for ourselves. Being able to, not, it's like no one's asking you to go speak at the Harvest Crusade. No one's asking me to go speak at the Harvest Crusade. But we have to be able to at least be able to teach and to know how to teach and to research and to learn and to figure out the hard questions you're dealing with and go, I want to have an answer for that for myself and for when it ever comes up with somebody else. See value in this. You know we find value in things and it's no problem to do it when you find value in it, right? Like, I hate getting up early. Unless it's for a tea time, <laughs> then it's good. Which is nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with that. You're, you're allowed to do that. But it just shows, no, you can. And actually, you can be pretty excited about it too. Oh, I'm never on time. Except for something that you really want to be at. Then you're probably early. And now you're a terror in your family. You're usually the one that's late. And you're telling everyone, Gary, what's wrong with you? They're like, when do you care about being on time? When it's important to me, that's when. I've shared the illustration before. Someone said, oh, I just cannot keep a clean office. I'm a, I just can't do it. There's no way. It's just not in my nature. I can't do it. So, well, let me ask you this. If I were to tell you that you have to keep a perfectly clean office, a perfect, your desk has got to look perfect at all times for the next three months. I'll drop in at some point in the next three months. You won't know when, but if I drop in and it's completely clean, you get a million dollars. And if I drop in and it's not, you get nothing. All of a sudden, you're pretty organized, right? We would figure it out. The idea is a lot of times we hide behind excuses that don't really exist. They might not be our pr primary dominant, you know, calling in life. Some people are just straight organized, my wife. Some people are not as organized. Someone else who's in our house who's an adult. You know, I've gotten better over time, but it's not my natural inclination to be like, let's, oh, it's Saturday. Let's organize these, these cabinets. I'm like, no. <laughs> what did I do wrong? Am I in trouble? I appreciated them being there. But the fact that we can grow in these things, we thought, oh, I won't be this. Oh, I won't be that. Those are not good excuses for a child of God who's a new creation in Christ called to, to produce in your life by God, through God, in God, to speak of the goodness of God to those around you. It's him doing it. It's the grace of God in me, but I'm laboring. I'm, I'm, I'm disciplining myself. Paul talks about that often. I don't beat as one who fights the air. Like I, I press on, I fight hard. I run the race with endurance. How do you get endurance? You push yourself. So for everyone who partakes uh, only in milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. If we never progress, we'll never get to do anything with real dynamic value in life. Isn't that true? You could stay a baby, and the, the pros to staying a baby your whole life is you get pampered forever. 
there are grown men and women that are still babies, right? Just get pampered, and everybody takes care of you, and everybody, like, you know, make sure, are you good? Is, do you need a little sippy sip? You know, whatever. And you go, wow, if, if, if life was about me being served, then we would feel, that would be amazing. We've reached the pinnacle but there's something hardwired in us and that's the call of God as kingdom people to bring something to the world, to give to the world, to provide something, to, to produce. It's not production in the sense of like, this is what will make me valuable to God. It's because I'm valuable to God, I can give something else to the world. We think that God's all about comfort. It, he is like, he loves discomfort, I think. That's where he works so often. And it's not fun. It is so not fun. But he works in our discomfort and he meets us. He's far less concerned with our comfort than we would think. And it forces us to trust him and to see him come through. We have to see him in ways that we, God, I, it's, if you don't show up, I'm in trouble. Verse 14, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercises discern both good and evil. We want to be those who partake in solid food, full age, part of a community, contributing to society and the kingdom as a whole. This is where we want to be. Well, how do you get there? Steps, right? And is it possible to slump back? Oh, we all know it is. We all know this. So, uh, and when it says those by reason of use, the word there is, it's like, means maturity. Like coming to maturity, uh, have their senses exercised to be able to discern good and evil. Their senses exercised. Do we think this is important spiritually? Have our senses exercised to discern both good and evil. To be awakened, engaged. That's one of the things about exercise that's really, really great. And it doesn't, we're not trying to start an exercise club, but it, it works, right? Is as you exercise, your whole body works together and it's almost like it becomes you become more aware of everything. Everything's working more in sync because you're like relying on it. To think about this, to sprint is taking a lot of things working well together, isn't it? To lift a, say, bench press or something, you got a lot of things that have got to work together to be able to do that. Like a jumping jack or whatever it is, has a lot of things have to come together and work together. The senses are, are awakened. So you guys doing your ice bath challenge. Are the senses awakened when you've been sitting in the sauna and then you jump into the 50-degree pool? You know, coffee might bring you down after that. I'm drinking this coffee to chill out a little bit after the zinger of jumping into freezing cold ice water. Wakes you right up. So they have their senses exercised. Do we think this is important to be able to understand What's going on? Discern good and evil around us? Oh my goodness. Big time. So what is, what is it that a, a mature meat-eating, 
vegetarian, that's okay. Adult in the faith, mature in the faith, what does it look like? Someone who knows the word, is able to teach the word, and is able to discern what's going on in the, in the spiritual realm. They're built up on the inner man. You know you're never built up on the inner man? By only trying to transform the outer appearance. Inside, out. You know, you say, it's like the inner beauty shines through, especially over time. It's, 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 there's like an element to that that's very true. You, you be around people that are like beautiful souls, and it's almost like you can start seeing them as more beautiful as time goes on. You're like, it's just because of who you are. Like, I just, they're just great to be around. It's like, man, this is amazing. That's the inner man change the, the spirit, through the spirit. Being exercised as we're reading the word, as we're able to discern the word, as we're able to now teach the word. And now we're also awakened to other things going on around us when we're talking about angels. Is it possible there's angels in this room right now? Highly possible. Is that wild? Is it possible that there's other stuff going around us all the time? Oh, yeah. How, do our, how ought we to live in what is becoming a more and more highly tumultuous spiritual climate if we have no discernment? It's a scary thought. We're kind of like, well, it'll work out. Ah, we'll figure it out. I think a lot of times we give up, especially like with our kids. It's like, ah, oh, they're doing that. Ah, I don't know, whatever. Just kind of like, oh, I'm tired, man. I'm tired of trying to discern through everything and trying to keep them in the right spot or whatever. I'm tired of that. You tired? <laughs> You're gonna be more tired later. <laughs> Obviously, at some point, kids make their own decisions. But like when it's in our abilities, to, to be discerning the times and the things happening. As it said in the CSB, do not be lazy now. Don't get lazy now. Recognize what's at stake. And, and, and as believers, if we're not discerning these things, we've got to be really careful. You don't know what you're stepping into. So a lot of times we can start choosing things that are not the thing. And you see it where all of a sudden it's the message is no longer the gospel, it's something else. It becomes something else, where it's now, it's now just this, and it's now just that. And you, we watched this happen, especially with COVID. Things got really weird. People started saying stuff that were like, where's that in the Bible? What are we studying today? What are we doing? What's, what's going on right now? If you have no discernment, you follow in all these different trends and you go all these different directions. But if we start using our voice for things that don't matter, we lose a voice in the prophetic. We lose a voice that can see things that can't normally be seen from the outside eye to speak into things that really, really matter. So this is really important for us to grow up in our spiritual understanding, to not just kind of like sit by and, you know, show up. That's great. Showing up is great. I think that's part of a step, but be able to be like teach and find someone to teach. I think it's actually important to have mentors in your life and those who you're mentoring in your life. That's a beautiful system. You know, like where, where does water run stagnant, get all jacked up? No outlet. 
Only in, no out. We need to have it coming in and going out. So if there's someone in your life that's younger in the faith, that, you know, they already have a natural relationship with you, don't just adopt someone that doesn't ask you to, because that gets pretty weird, you know? You're like, hey, I'm going to adopt you. And they're like, uh, no, <laughs> please don't do that, you know? But if you have favor in someone's life and you have the ability to speak to them and they want to hear from you, use that and then continue to grow and grow and grow and then give and give and give and your capacity goes up. And we're dealing in real life with real situations with real people who struggle with ups and downs on both those who are mentoring you and those who you are mentoring. This is the idea. If you have children, and they're in the home, and you have, you know, you're with them, that's a, that's a great place to start. You have an amazing opportunity right now to be able to mentor them in the faith. You're being built up. You're, you're thinking of stuff to give them. Here, let me give this to you. Like trying to process, I'm trying to process a thing right now for my oldest, where it's like a, a guide to becoming a man. Let's figure this out together. Let's work this thing out together. And he knows it's coming. And he's like, he knows, he's like kind of nervous. So it's going to be fun and gnarly too. But he wants to do gnarly things. He was just in a pool that wasn't heated. He jumped in. He wants to do these things. He's desiring to go. He needs guidance or else he's going to do the wrong kind of gnarly things to make himself a crazy man, wild man. Do we know anything about that? Yeah, of course we do. So we have to ask ourselves, are we being lazy in our faith and then missing out on the, the real things God wants to do? Be really engaged with the stuff he wants to do in our lives. Because he says, I'd love to tell you about this Melchizedek thing. You guys can't hear it. So you're going to miss out on some of the most beautiful things because you don't understand. So what's our response if we do recognize that? And we're honest enough to say that. All of us, right? We can all be in that boat. I feel like I am often. <laughs> Repent. Ask God for renewal in our hearts, in our inner man. That we would reorder our values. Reordering our values of what really matters. It's kind of wild. You can, like, you can look at the values of your life. And it's like they almost, the things, if they're out of alignment, they almost perfectly mimic what God wants from you. Your attention, your love, your money, whatever, you know, like God's like, give me all your money, but like your, your finances, your time. Look around. Think about it. How easy is it for all those other things to go somewhere else? God's like, I want your, I want your heart. I don't, want, I don't want the second, because if that thing is not going to help you out, this is where I want. I want you. So we ask God for renewal to open up, um, to reorder our values and to open our eyes to what really matters. Help us to see what we're supposed to see and hear what we're supposed to hear, things that actually matter. And you know what's really cool? This will bring back excitement at the possibilities of what God can do in our lives. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, the sky was the limit. I mean, I, within a couple months, I was like ready to go on a mission field. Let's do it. It's like, what can God not do? 
He could do anything with my life. Well, how has that view changed? And is it that God no longer can do things in our life? Or is it the fact that we just have kind of grown accustomed to giving up? And, and maybe it's not like some grandiose, like, oh, man, I'm going to be a missionary, or oh, I'm going to be this, or oh, I'm going to be that, whatever. But it's like something where we go, do I even believe that God can use me to touch anyone's life anymore? Because that's promised in the scriptures. That he's going to use us. He wants to use us. Some to sow, some to reap. He wants to use his children to be his ambassadors, to be the light, to be the salt. We're here for a reason. In this city, in this time, no mistakes there. So bring back the excitement of the possibilities of what God can do in our lives, through our lives. Don't you love possibilities? Don't you love ex excitement of possibilities? Wow, what can we, what, what's next? Where are we gonna go? What can we do? The re-enchantment of like the fact that God is a, a big, big God. That, that can work crazy things in and through our lives and can take your weakest moments and your saddest stories and can use them for his glory because he's so good and he's so merciful and he's so benevolent and he's just so stinking big. That excites me. And I need more of that in my life because it's so easy to get off. So easy to, to look at everything around us and go, what is going on? I don't get it. What do I do? How do, what, I don't get, I don't, ah, I'm like frustrated. And so you start blaming things. You're missing the point. There's bigger things going on. God has called us to fight in a way that does not make sense to the natural man, but to the spiritual man, which we've been doing the armor of God with our guys. Whoa, okay. Now I'm starting to see it. It's not, it's not carnal, spiritual, powerful. That's our warfare. That's what we fight, how we fight. And so we've got to be awakened to that if we're ever going to survive. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless.